All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Is everybody ready? Yep. Are we ready to do this? Let's do it. What let's are we do doing? It. We're doing it? What are we doing? It. 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 Ooh. Yeah. Shh. It. <laughs> smart ass in every group. At least one. Better a smart ass than a dumb bunny. Sometimes there's three smart asses. Well, you know why. Why? Because they went to school with us every day. Our asses. I got them. No, I left mine at home. All right. You have to count my snake puns, by the way, and make sure that you are on track okay. with them. All right. So see if you catch them all. Welcome, okay. everybody, to tell me something I didn't need to know. Hello. Oh, we're already recording. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes. Yes, we've all been right. recording. Oops. Hi, everybody. I'm back. Just when you thought it was safe to listen to the podcast again. Again. She's back. I'm not in black, though. I think that's an ACD She's thing. naked. You didn't have to give them that visual. That's I apologize for that. I'm sorry, she's just come to the table naked then. Who's a hottie? Who's a hottie? Ryan Reynolds. No, a girl. Ryan Reynolds. Don't, don't visualize me as Ryan Reynolds. That's weird. She's naked like Ryan Reynolds. Uh, no, I, I was thinking of female, but I don't know any females that are like young know. and hot right now. I don't really look at them like that. Neither do I. But visualize a young, hot, not a fifty-something-year-old grandma. Wow. Oh, welcome, everybody. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. We appreciate your time. We hope if you come back after this. If you've made it this far, <laughs> you're, gonna, you're in it for the long haul. <laughs> or you might need psychiatric help. Or both. Or you're in serious meds. Serious meds. Or you are strapped to a chair and someone doesn't like you. Ooh, ow. Like torture. Mental, Ooh, mental hospital ow. torture. That's horrid. All right. So... For anyone who's interested on the other podcast, which comes out on Wednesdays, uh, next week's is is titled, This Arms For You. For me? For you. This Arms For You. Why, thank you. I've not gotten an arm yet. Mary brings us a story called A Midnight Snack. Hannah, Hannah brings us The Unhinged Professor. Indeed. And both drank hurricanes. We're not gonna say how many, but hurricanes were involved. Yes. Yes, there were definitely hurricanes involved. Yes. Uh, the following on the 4th of August is the tragedy of Baba Yaga, uh, which was not only researched, written, and done by Johanna, but was also suggested by someone who listens to our podcast after the fact, which we didn't know about, which was awesome. We love we love those suggestions. Um it's and amusing because of the fact that a lot of times the sub- suggestions come and I've already I've already written the story. Yes. So that's awesome. Because yes. warped minds think alike. Yes. yes. Because this person suggested it and I was like, that sounds so familiar. I didn't <laughs> do this story, but that sounds really familiar. Yes. Uh, and we're also going to get into the Dom Perignon on that day. You mean you're drinking it? Because I'll come back for that. Yeah. Really? Will you? Oh, because you already recorded it. Yeah. Yes. You already drank the Dom Perignon. So, just so you guys know, Lynn is bright. She's witty. She's super smart. Occasionally, it <laughs> takes her a minute to catch up, though. Yeah. And she's a teacher. Math teacher, so, you know. 
It's just adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. Well, that's good, because one of us at this table who shall remain unnamed has a problem with math skills. Who has a problem with math skills? Well, I'll tell you it's not me. Does their name start with an M, followed by an A, and an R, and maybe a Y? It may very well, yes. I don't believe that I'm the one that said the decade of 1983. I was wondering because I thought maybe perhaps there were a couple people in math skill issues. I think there's issues. some math issues, some geography issues, <laughs> some English okay, language speaking issues. Okay, how about if we just say we issues? all have issues? Yes. We, we do all have some issues. issues. We do. All right. All right, July 25th, Wine and Cheese Day. Ooh, ooh, ooh. All right. Wine and Cheese National Day, July 25th. In 6000 BC, evidence of rudimentary cheese strainers showed up at Neolithic sites. 4000 BC, wine shows up in Eurasia, according to wine residue tests that were done on jar and fat fragments. That's a long time ago. It is. I've seen somewhere they found some really, really old, old wine in urns, and they're like, we, there's still wine in here. Hey, it's probably good to drink. Dad would drink it. Oh, he did, definitely would. He wanted to know why we didn't drink that stuff that came out of the Coke machine. I actually saw recently an article about a, uh, a I can't remember what they call them. They're the, the really old, old, yeah, yeah. weird vases. Yes, that like had I think that's the article like I saw that they yes, still had. Right. Yes. They had preserved the wine. The reason it hadn't turned to vinegar, they put honey on the top of it yeah, to it seal uh, it. So yeah. it is perfectly Ooh, sealed to preserve the wine. Now you have that, and really, do you, like, it's so special. Like, who gets to drink that? Who or, gets to try it? Like, listen, remember the things. pineapples? Yeah. And how we would eat, we would have gone to the dinner parties and ate the pineapples. We'd be the ones that drank the wine. Oh, God, someone would hurt you over there. I feel like that <laughs> that's probably, right. like, a serious crime. Like, that's, woof. Yeah. All right. But, yeah, it'd be in a museum, and you'd show people, but no one's ever actually probably tasted it, and you probably can't without yeah, breaking how do the they seal. Know it's not, how do they know it's not vinegary and rancid? I don't know. I don't know I don't, it tastes I'm not like. sure. Maybe it smells delicious. Well, you'd only smell the honey, I assume. And I if assume it's sealed, it, so air can't get to it. I don't then know. you probably can't smell the wine. I also assume at this point the honey is completely crystallized and hard. Yeah. Like a shell across the top. Could be. Now, I'm not going to ask any of our alibis or listeners out there to give us advice on this because we're supposed to be the wine professionals here. I'd just like to point out we don't have alibis on this show. This is not the alibi show. You're right. There are listeners, there are special listeners. Yes, I'm they're learning things they don't need to know. Like they are our students. Are no, there are alibis because they were listening while we were committing crimes, and therefore. So I'm going to finish my national day, and then Sorry. we're going to go back to something because we totally skipped it. Oh, okay. So cheddar cheese shows up in the year 1500. Parmesan shows up in 1597. Gouda shows up in 1697, and is Camembert in 1791. What about Swiss? Did you say Swiss already? No. She's avoiding the Swiss. We avoid the Swiss like the plague. Some Eight. people like Swiss. We avoid the Swiss like we avoid the Noid. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, show's over. I got her to say Jesus. It's nope. been fun. I didn't say both parts. <laughs> you will say it by the end of today. In 1864, mass, mass manufacturing of cheese starts after Louis Pasteur discovers pasteurization. 
in 2015, so apparently nothing happened between the year 1864 and 2015. 2015, Italy pulls ahead of France to produce the largest amount of wine and becomes the world's largest exporter. It's National Wine and Cheese Day. It's my day. I believe it was invented for me. So learn what goes together. Learn how to pair your wine and cheese. Indulge yourself in some yumminess. Get together. Have a pairing party with your friends. But not your sister because she doesn't like cheese. No, I'll I'll give you guys all the cheese and just have the wine. And enjoy. You, I know they have wine cheese too. So, you know, if you want to be really fun, you should do wine cheeses. Wine cheeses? Mm -hmm. Wine cheeses. Cheeses made with wine or maybe mixed with them. Could be. I had champagne cheese. Larry bought me champagne cheese for Christmas one year. See, you can combine those. I would not partake. So I realized as I was reading this and listening to you ladies is... Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. I'm your co-host, Mary Swartz. I'm Hannah Green. And I'm Lynn Samuels. Anyway. (laughs) Better late than never. Better late than never. Oh, good Lord. Welcome to the show. Go for it, Lynn. All right. My July 25th National Day is National Hot Fudge Sunday Day. This is after you've done your wine and your cheese. You follow it up with a hot fudge sundae. Delicious. Plus, I just liked hot fudge sundae day. I was like, that seems repetitive. Interesting. Okay, so a couple things about Hot Fudge Sundays. They were created 1906 at C.C. Brown's in Los Angeles. So if you are like I Los Angeles is a pit, it might be a pit, but hey. That's where they them, came from. That is where they came from. Um, fudge, the hot fudge made by mixing sugar, butter, milk, cocoa of some sorts and heating it up until it boils until a certain consistency. I'm starting to get hungry. I have an amazing recipe for homemade hot cocoa or homemade hot fudge for on your ice cream. Oh my goodness. I've never bought one that rivals it. It is amazing. Huh. Most expensive hot fudge <coughs> sundae. You can purchase this loveliness at Serendipity 3 in New York City for only <clears throat> everybody sit down. A thousand dollars. Jesus! Almost ended the show right there. (laughs) Yeah, so if you are that rich, first off, just send us your money instead. Why? Why? I will make you a hot fudge sundae. Mary will make you a hot fudge sundae. The entertainment value alone is far more than you're going to get at Serendipity. Yeah, and we're we're more fun than New York City. We are. And Lynn is naked, so what, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I won't be when you eat, so you'll have an appetite. Uh, So, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, if you if you are willing to spend that money on a hot fudge sundae, come come over here and we will make you an amazing hot that fudge sundae insane. and tell you jokes. It is insane. Do you get to take home the gold dish? That I comes I in? did not actually look it up. I just found that information. I know I remember. I believe it has like gold leaf on it, and it's it's whack. No, I'm sorry. They're, they're whack. Those kind of people. I'm sorry. If you're one of those people, you're whacked. All right. Uh, so whether you are paying top dollar or you're making it at home or you're coming over here for it, uh, enjoy Hot Fudge Sunday today. All right. And after you have had your wine, your cheese, and your Hot Fudge Sunday, Are we taking a nap? <laughs> we're taking a spin on the merry-go-round. Oh, dear oh, God. God. <laughs> <laughs> this is okay, a What is one. it? Make yourself puke day? <laughs> it is National Merry-Go-Round Day. Oh, yeah. We're making now, ourselves throw up. there are... Two different kinds of merry-go-rounds. There. There's one where we take our sister and spin her in circles till she falls over. Correct. On a playground. The kind that you, like, have to run and spin and jump on right. yourself. And okay. Those are merry-go-rounds. Okay. That is not the merry-go-rounds we're talking about. Oh, you're talking about carousel? We're talking about what most of us refer to as 
a carousel. They have a wonderful one out in um in Ohio. Where yes, we go. yes, in Mansfield. In Mansfield, Ohio, they have. It's beautiful. One. It's a beautiful Mansfield is a beautiful town too. It's a beautiful little, very friendly, quaint, and they have a, a carousel in the middle of it. They have a really interesting history there too. Yeah. Boboa Park in California has a very old, very nice one also. It um, has awesome. all the different fun animals in there. Yeah. Very, I think we should get one. They're very authentic. Well, we the... Let's build one. Okay. The Grand Rapids, the museum in Grand Rapids. Yes, they have one too. They have an original, like, 1800s oh. restored. It's beautiful, and you can ride it. Cool. So, yes, Calliope Music, lights, you know, brightly colored animals. Action. Going up and down. So... Here's the reason that they move up and down. Oh. To make you puke after you ate all that food. It actually simulates the galloping of the animals, and it encourages children or riders to believe they're racing each other. I always did when I was a kid. Yes. Yes. So, you know, and it's not just horses anymore, although that was the traditional was horses with, you know, all the brightly carved, oh, you know, yeah. beautiful flowers the and manes and, and yes, colors. Oh, yes, exactly. Yes. And you got to pick the favorite one if somebody gets to it before, I know, before you, you. Oh my gosh, you're like, no, I wanted that one. Your life is over. Yes. And now they have lions and tigers and zebras and giraffes and ostriches. horses and ostriches and all kinds of amazing, amazing. And they now have some that the animals. Although they're on the poles, they, they don't go up they're down. stationary. Yes. They have benches for parents or more timid riders to ride on now. I wouldn't, call, I wouldn't call them more timid. Drunk? Call them boring. chicken. Boring. <laughs> Come on, it's not like the merry-go-round is going so fast that like you need to sit on a bench. Maybe it's for people who can't, like maybe you can't get yourself up over the, the animal. Because you do have to kind of straddle it. It is up so and it over. Is for yeah. maybe like grandmas who are 90 and okay are like, you know, i will give the grandma all right i had a hip replacement pass. surgery yesterday it, tomorrow maybe but not today all right i give her a pass there hip you go. surgery yesterday that woman's straddling if she's on a merry-go-round she's straddling uh, any woman who has hip surgery one day gets on a merry-go-round the next day she's a straddler what is she straddling not, I'm just curious. not my problem she's 90 <laughs> she can straddle whatever she wants <laughs> Often the carousels actually name their animals. They do? Yeah. Like, each animal has a name, like, mm-hmm. Jumpy and Farky and Scalloper and, and yes. Daisy and... Yes, precisely. We probably shouldn't... After these names, I'm just like, yeah, this is... I, I shouldn't name animals on a carousel. Those were lame. Also, it is unlikely that you will ever find two carousels that are exactly alike. Oh. Okay. I think we should make it a mission, you guys. Let's tra- travel across the United States, hitting every carousel we can... Trying to find two carousels that are the same. Challenge accepted. The earliest evidence of a carousel or a merry-go-round was 500 A.D. Oh, my God. The Byzantine Empire. Wow, that's a long time ago. Okay, do you have details on that? Because I'm I'm like, they didn't have motors and they didn't have like... You don't have to have a motor because the one in the playground doesn't have a motor. Is that the kind it was? Nope. Nope, that is not. I will actually tell you. Hang on. This is all the stuff I get to edit. The Byzantine Byzantine's Empire ride depicts baskets carrying riders suspended from a central pole. Oh, so more like a swing basket, though. That's more of a swing basket. Maybe like, it was like the first, like, kind of representation of right. of what Going later around. became. This is the first the amusement carousel. park ride. Yeah, it's so, probably still in operation. 
Same it is. It is, of course, one of the oldest amusement park rides and one of the most popular. And in the 1840s, Franz Weisenhofer created the first merry-go-round in the U.S. in Hessville, Ohio. Oh, I guess Ohio is good for something. So, to celebrate, hop in your car, go find your local merry-go-round carousel, and take a little ride after you've eaten your cheese and drank your wine and had a hot fudge sundae. Right. Or take them on the merry-go-round. Ooh, yes, and and just the, yes, have a picnic on the merry-go-round. Just pay the operator to just keep it going. Or if you find the other kind on a playground, you could just sit on the edge and keep it going while eating. Yeah, you or have your kids push you. If you have children, <laughs> make them push you while you eat your cheese and wine. All right. All right. Lots of good stuff. Please don't video the aftermath. We don't need to see it. Deputies responding to a report of a stolen vehicle in Waterboro early Sunday morning stopped a man who was walking nearby. The police determined that the man was not involved with the stolen vehicle, but they did arrest him on an outstanding warrant for theft from a Walmart. The man said he had enough money to post $200 in bail. When the bail commissioner arrived, the man tried to pay with two counterfeit $100 bills. The man was denied bail, and he was returned to jail with an additional charge of forgery. Not real smart. No. No. But Not maybe a big smart. set of balls on that one. I have a question, ladies. Okay. We have answers. We have answers. They might not. Always. Hang on. Do you want the answers now? No. Damn it. <laughs> I love doing that. I know. We were going to so go off to My question it. is this. Yes. Have you ever had fears of sitting on the toilet? No. And if so, what were you afraid of? Uh, actually, yes. When we would camp and do the pit toilets. <gasps> oh, my God. That, that fear of, like, falling in as a kid. Oh. You're like, I just, oh, my gosh. Potties. Yes, I'm afraid of falling in. Now, it's not a fear of falling in. It's a fear of a spider. Because if a spider crawled on me while I'm on the toilet doing something. She's falling in. No, I'm going to be jumping around doing that. And it's going to be a horrendous mess. That. <laughs> oh, another fear. And this isn't, didn't come from me, but it really did happen to a friend. He was on the toilet. He was sitting. His pants were down. And a, well, thank uh, God. And a scorpion off his ceiling fell right into his pants. Into his pants? Into or? his pants that are around his ankles. Literally off the ceiling. Well, he, you just step out of your pants and kick them away. I don't know because I'm not afraid up. of them, so it'd be kind of like, okay, no big deal. But if you're scared, like if that were a spider, oh, yeah, that, you know, yeah, that'd be all kinds of bad. But yeah, so there's Have some Have you heard fears. of flying poop? Um, Only when monkeys throw it. And I'm not really afraid of and a hippopot- and, and hippos. Okay. What? All Hold right. on. No, no, no. Remember, hippos. I asked this question for a reason. Yes. Are we afraid of sitting on the toilet? An Australian, 65 years old, he had the kind of morning that nightmares are made of, when a python bit him while he was sitting on the toilet. Where did it bite him? I'm just curious. Does it, it was say? in the toilet. Yeah. Now, did it bite him on the tushy? On the balls, because a guy's balls would probably be hanging down. It doesn't He's specifically. 65. It doesn't. Spe- still hang. It doesn't specifically say. It just says in the area of his genitals. Ouch. I'm thinking the balls. Ouch. I'm, I'm saying balls. Um. It was. It was a python. It is native that, to Asia. That's good that it was a poison or a python, not a venomous. It's yes. never poisonous. It's yes. always venomous. Yes, because, I mean, in Australia, they have a lot of very venomous snakes. Yes, they do. So, apparently, a python reacts rather more viciously than a frog does. <laughs> I feel like 
it wouldn't matter because it would hurt less even if a frog did attack you viciously and bit you. You'd be like, oh, ow. So this wasn't a huge python. It was a mere five feet. Um, five feet's good size to me. Um, they can grow to be 29 feet long. I don't long. care how long they yeah, can grow Yeah, but once they're 29, be. are they fitting in your toilet, really? So to be <clears> in your toilet, I feel like they'd have to be smaller. It appears to have escaped from a neighbor's apartment. It Again. probably entered the toilet through the drain. Again, with the... We're not, we're not putting our reptiles in escape-proof cages. A reptile expert removed the snake from the toilet, cleaned it, because remember, it's a man sitting down. It's very thoughtful. And returned it to its owner. Men can pee while sitting down. And the victim had to be treated at the hospital. All right. The neighbor, who owns 11 snakes, which are all non-venomous, has been reported to the prosecutor's office on suspicion of negligently causing bodily harm. And I thought it was bad when I sat down and left the toilet seat down because I don't normally put my toilet seat down and was like, oh, that's a surprise. Did that once in a porty pod, porta potty. Had you started when you discovered it? Couldn't figure out why the back of my pants were all wet. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> all right, okay. I came out with my hoodie tied around my waist and very calmly told the person I was with, we have to go find a store. All right. I love how calm you were about that. So they said, my God, you're not even drunk. Well, As a runner, I have a lot of porta potty stories with, with bathrooms. There's a lot out there. <laughs> we can do a whole episode of those. We're pretty, pretty familiar with Ritz crackers, correct? Yes, I think I saw what you're going to talk about. I saw a picture of something. I didn't read the article, so I'm not and even sure. And you're aware of how they're shaped? Yes, like a circle. A scalloped edge? Yes. They do have a scalloped edge. Do you know what that scalloped edge is for? Uh, nibbling, like you scrape it off with your teeth? I thought so, too. No, it's actually there for slicing cheese. What? Yes. Apparently yeah. a Ritz cracker is solid enough to... Like, you roll it like a wheel? It's for slicing cheese. I said thin sliced cheese. <laughs> I, I was going to say, because I don't... You'd break the cracker first, like a hard cheese. I think you would, too. I'm not sure about that. We, you you should experiment it. with that. <clears throat> I will. All right. I, I will get right on that. Peanut so. butter, though. Ritz and peanut butter. I've not had a Ritz and peanut butter in a while. I like Ritz and peanut butter. Why do we keep talking about food? I'm freaking starving over here. Me too. All right. Um, the UK held a contest to find the best dad joke, and they found it. And here we go. Are you ready, ladies? Oh, yeah. I like Are the you jokes. Ready? I like bad jokes. I love jokes. I once hired a limo. And when it arrived, the guy who was driving it got out and walked off. I said, excuse me, are you not going to drive me? The guy told me the price didn't include a driver. So I basically spent 400 pounds on a limo and have nothing to show for it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Brennan got a whole calendar at Christmas of a year of dad jokes. Oh, and I cool. changed them to bad teacher jokes. Oh. And took them to school every Very day cool. and would put one on my board every morning and Very read them cool. bad teacher jokes. Nice. Awesome. So, All right. Some had to be changed because, you know, there's um, a difference between bad dad jokes and bad teacher jokes that yes. are appropriate for children. Yes. So, Lynn has a story for us today. And we're going to preference the story with the fact that we are drinking drinks called Sweet Poison which are a beautiful, beautiful bluish-green color. 
They are absolutely freaking delicious, and mine is going to have to be replenished soon. So, but the drinks go with, they're called sweet poison. Did I say that? They are, but but really, um, it should be sweet venom to go with my story. Okay. That's so, all right. Okay. It's a hysterical story. Okay. You want to tell us what your story's name is? I do. All right. Praise the Lord and pass the rattlesnakes. Ooh. All right. Take Can it away. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to start out with a bad Lynn joke. A snake walks into a bar. The bartender asks, What can I get you? How did you do that? You can't walk. (laughs) She got you. (laughs) She totally got you. (laughs) Wow. Yep. All right. We're going to talk about Snake handling. I'm going right. to start off with the Pentecostal religious snake handling. This goes back to 1910 when a reformed and illiterate moonshiner named George Hensley from Appalachia turned to a preacher. Appalachia, isn't that Pennsylvania? I think the Appalachian they run go everywhere. Whole, yeah, they run a whole but lot. But I of think when you put southeast. illiterate and moonshine together, you deserve whatever you get. I just then you turn into a preacher. Oh God, yeah! Now he's going to tell us how to live our lives. Yes. So sweet. This illiterate nothing preacher can go wrong here. <laughs> nothing. He uh, he decides to uh, take a Bible passage quite literally, and uh, this is one that uh, says true believers can safely handle venomous snakes and drink poison. And he got this from the Gospel of Mark, chapter sixteen, verses seventeen and eighteen. Now, I'm not going to quote the whole thing there. It's wordy and long. You can look it up. But it basically, I read it, and it really does talk about that, but, you know. Interpretation. 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 Right. That's insane. So, yeah. So, he begins to handle venomous snakes. Remember, venomous, not poisonous. Poison you ingest. Venom is injected into you. So. I didn't realize the difference. Yes, yes, that is the difference, and it makes me crazy because behind my house in Arizona, there is a sign put up by the city, and it says, watch for poisonous insects. Poisonous now, I just want to talk insects. about this. First of all, she's taking my pen. I'm making noise with it. So, uh, yes. Now she has no idea what to do with her hands. <laughs> I no don't, idea. Because I don't. she talks with her hands like you do. She talks all over the place with her yes. hands. I make fun of her. <coughs> so, yeah, so I'm... Uh, I'm always irritated every time I go back there because, first of all, they're talking probably about tarantulas and possibly rattlesnakes because that's what we're known for. Rattlesnakes aren't scorpi- are, are insects. Neither are tarantulas. Neither are tarantulas. Are exactly. they talking about scorpions? Those I don't insects. know, but they, none of them are poisonous unless you eat them, and I don't think that's mm. what they're saying, and I want to dearly write to the city, and my husband oh, tells yes, me they- to give it up, and be, he's like, let it go. Yeah, they're let venomous. Let it go. Let it go. Take it away. All right, so back to George Hensley. So he uh, does his preaching for probably about 12 years, and then he uh, convinces tons of people that this is a great idea. By tons, I don't know how many. I don't have an accurate number. But More lots, than two is too many. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he, uh, he does that for a while, and then he ends up resigning from the uh, church. And uh, this was due to problems at home. The problems at home included the fact that he was now on his fourth wife. 
Were they all still alive? That's all I want to know. Were they all still alive? They were still alive as far as I know. They, and was he divorced from them? I believe so. It did not mention bigotry. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. But uh, he had 13 children. And, oh, Jesus. Yeah. And... No wonder he wanted to No, I don't him. think he was Jesus. He might have thought he was, but... If I had 13 children and four wives, I would probably want to handle venomous, poisonous, whatever they wish to call them, snakes as well. You don't have to handle them. You're just trying to drink the venom. You're good. Now, here's my question. You're drinking the venom. Now, are you poisoning yourself? No, no, no. They weren't drinking the venom. He was drinking uh, some other poison and battery acid. Strychnine. Oh. Strychnine. They were drinking strychnine and, and, and like, battery acid and That'll things like that. That'll clear out the sinuses. Yeah. That'll put some hair on your chest. It'll or do take it off. something. And that wasn't the only thing he was drinking, unfortunately. Oh he was God. known as a problematic drunk. He had a lot of problems with relatives and people who didn't like him because of that. He may have been charismatic in the church, but outside the church, he was not the nicest mm. or smartest uh, pickle <laughs> in the jar. If you are drinking things like strychnine and battery acid, I wonder if that is causing damage to your brain in I some way. Yes. I can't imagine any of this. I mean, it doesn't sound like he started out as the smartest guy. I think he may have lost a few more brain cells. My question is, how exactly do you determine, determine the smartest pickle in the jar? You quiz every one of them if and then grade quiz? them. Yes, yes. Yeah, whoever gets the highest grade. Whoever? Pickles aren't people. I'm telling you how I do it. I don't eat pickles. I don't like pickles. I don't even let pickles in my house. So I really don't have... That's another thing. It's like cheese. Cheese and pickles are in the same thing. Cheese can be in my house, though. Pickles, no. You can't even put a pickle on my plate. I will send my food back. I always preface it. Every order. Okay. Do you serve it with pickles? If so, there cannot be a pickle on my plate. Okay. The food will go back. Okay. Yeah. All right. I have to drink. I'm an anti and, 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 and now all I have in my head is the stupid line... From Dirty Dancing. You just put your pickle on everybody's plate, boy, and leave the hard stuff to me. I, How does she know this quote? That's such a random quote to know. Because I've seen because she's that been, movie way too many times because I have a teenage daughter that thinks it's amazing. Because she's been waiting for an opportunity in an opening line to put the pickle in. And well, you I'm just glad opened the pickle door. I provided it And for allowed you. her to put yes. her pickle Yep, yes. yep. That's why I would never marry someone named Peter. Well, what if their last name wasn't Piper? Peter, I still, Peter, I, I can't Peter, take oh, Peter Pepper. Peter Pepper. Pepper. It was Peter Pepper. Picked a peck of pickled peppers. Pickled, Pick, peppers. pickled peppers. Pickled peppers. I wouldn't Maybe like those either, no. Are you you sure? can't pickle anything. It's the pickling. That's glah. Don't, don't. How about so. sauerkraut? Oh, no. Or can eggs. Or, or, can or, we go back on track? Or beets. Can don't we pickle back, food. Can we go back on track? Yes, we can. All right. So here's the deal. Someone's got to keep this show going. July 1955. George Hensley was bitten by a rattlesnake. He was handling during a service. Shock. I thought he had resigned. He did, but he still gave services. So he no longer officially was. But back then, like, people just go out and be like, I'm a preacher and go to those things and have a tent up. do it out in your front yard, I'm sure. Anybody can do that. You You could put a tent up and people come watch a snake handle. Give you money. Wow. Yeah. We're yeah. in the wrong professions. No, yeah. you're no. in the wrong profession, not me. I don't want to be bitten by a rattlesnake. No, I'm not it stupid. Is not, yeah, no. I am not, okay, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> Thank so, you for clarifying. You are welcome. So after he was bitten, he did die. So that was the end of George Hensley, and it was reported that he made the snake very angry during the service, 
and it threw a bit of a hissy fit. <laughs> so did he commit suicide, or did I think he it murder was, himself? No, it was cold-blooded murder. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't set that one up, but it was perfect. Open that door. So the question then is, why would people continue this practice? He clearly was not. Well, someone he I would think wasn't a lot the of first people, one to do it either. He was no, no. Uh, well, all my information says he is the first noted person that they, at least in the U.S. Okay, because I think it was prevalent in other countries. There, there are other countries that do similar similar things to this. Yeah, but nothing quite like it. There, okay. I read about another one, but they don't handle the snakes. They just kind of worship them. They're like up there, and they're like snakes are holy, but they don't mess with them because they're, they're smarter, smarter than we are because they're not Americans. They're smarter than we are. All right. So the practice is mainly found in the southeastern USA along the Appalachia area. Okay. Most states, with the exception of West Virginia, have made it illegal to handle snakes during services. Smart. Yes. However, that fine of $50 to $100 does not really seem to be much of a deterrent. Oh, Jesus. And it's not as if the police don't have something better to do than go to every service to check to make sure you're not holding a snake. Yeah. But due to legal issues, exact data is scarce. But it's estimated that 40 to 125 churches approximately practice snake handling currently. And there have been over 100 deaths since it started. I would like a list of all of those just because I don't. I don't like snakes, so I'd like to know if I'm ever traveling which churches to avoid. Okay, it seems like they're all Pentecostal. So if you go to a church that says Pentecostal, that's your first sign. Second one, if you see a big group of people in a tent, that might be another because they seem to be those pop-up tent kinds. If you see a big group of people in a tent passing around a jug of moonshine, that could be a sign. That's a good one to stop it. (laughs) Just saying. And that's the other thing, moonshine... When they made moonshine, there's no like quality control on it. A lot of the products they used and stuff, like people used to die in the vat. People used to die from the moonshine. If this guy was into moonshine, that could have been freaking his brain too. You know, you know. So, yeah. So the why the believers they talk about uh, that taking up snakes and venomous snakes that shows their faith in God. Like they're a true believer. God will protect them, and it's His will. So if it's His will that they handle a venomous snake, then they're not going to get bit. But however, if you do get bit, the interesting thing is, because what do you do when your pastor gets bit? Was he not a true believer? No, 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 no. That's also God's will. So God controls the whole thing, so you might as well handle a snake. If he wants you to die, you're going to die. If it's not by a snake, he's going to, you know, throw a boulder down at you or hit you with lightning, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, so they really, they have that belief that God controls everything, but right through the roof of the church. Yep. Right through the sidewall of the tent. Yep. So uh, the other interesting thing, several believers talked about the feeling they get from handling the snakes, which is where I found it interesting. Their description reminded me of like adrenaline junkies and the yeah. high they get after doing some death defined like a stunt, like right. evil Knievel. I imagine it's quite the same. So I almost feel like they're like a, a adrenaline junkier addict. Right. At that point where they're doing something so dangerous and that feeling is so exciting for them that is it really a religious thing or is a, right. you know, so. Or are they just a group full of addicts that are, you know. Yeah. It yeah. is. Well, here's another. In okay. 2012, Mark Walford, he was a pastor of the Apostolic House of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died in West Virginia. Stay away from that one. After being bitten by Old Yeller, 
a Western Diamondback during his service. The funny thing is earlier he had posted on Facebook, praise the Lord and pass the rattlesnake's brother. Notice it's brother. So that leads me to wonder if the rattlesnake was a feminist and found that offensive. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Mark, you'd think he'd know because his father also died of a snake bite while handling a snake during service. Wow. So he didn't learn quickly. And when he died... Uh, when Mark took died, over? his brother, Chris Walford, took over and continued. Oh. So, oh. you know, God's will. God's will. 2008. This is one I think I'd heard of before when I read it. I was like, I've heard this guy. 2008. Jamie Coots. He's a pastor of a small Pentecostal church in Kentucky, where it is illegal. He was arrested, and 125 venomous snakes were confiscated. Now, I understand you want to handle a snake or two. Why? Do you even think there's 125 people in that church? Like, why do you need it's one for every, it's, it's one snake for every person there. And their guest? Like, why so many? So, because snakes have babies. Keeps down the road in population. Uh, are they letting them just run around their houses? Or they slither, they, slither, slither around their houses? They just let them free in the church. And on Sundays, they just call them up to the... Up here, to the altar. Up here. Come on up. All right. Any snake that wants to be handled. In 1995, a parishioner of his uh, church died while handling a venomous snake. And even though it was illegal, no charges were ever brought. So it's illegal, but they don't really, I guess, enforce it at all. Like nothing happened. Not even a $50 fine. They probably thought, well, one less less idiot in our county. Yes. So then 2014... Pastor Jamie Coots, he uh, died after handling a rattlesnake during service. It bit him. He died. And the interesting thing on this one, this was actually the 10th time he had been bitten in his lifetime. So nine previous times he had been bitten and hadn't died. My impression has always been that you tend to build up an antivenom in your body when you get bitten. Nope, that's a theory, but it's nope. Okay. The shows I've watched and the stuff I've read where people have said that. It doesn't really work. Okay. And remember, all snakes have different venoms. So if you're handling, you know, a viper versus a cobra versus a rattlesnake, which I think is a viper, but the different ones you have to. So if you get bit by a specific, they need to know what snake bit you because they react differently. So aren't, the anti-venoms. Aren't rattlesnakes like the most popular ones for these people to handle? It seems so. When I looked through, it was all timber rattle, rattlesnake, like unnamed rattlesnake, timber rattlesnake, and diamondback. So those I think were they the like ones the rattles. Well, yes. Not only that, but how many venomous snakes are there actually in the U.S.? There's copperheads, and I didn't read anybody messing, but I've heard that copperheads are nasty, like aggressive. Right. And I don't know that for sure, but like I know I've, right. I've and uh, like cottonmouths, which are also very, very aggressive. I've heard. Yes, and I know certain rattlesnakes because there's a rattlesnake uh, place in. New Mexico, right over by Portal, where we go, and they have a huge collection, and they they have all kinds of different information on each one. And some of them are known as more of a timid rattlesnake, like yeah. that, or a more aggressive one. And I do know diamondbacks are considered aggressive, right. and I believe there's a, I want to say a black something, black-tailed rattlesnake, something. It's one of the more aggressive ones, where you mess with mm. it, it's more likely okay. to bite you. I mean, so, we, have, we have rattlers here in Michigan, but I've never actually seen one. You probably no, you won't. won't. They are they're, so they're rare not, and not, endangered that if you see them, they might more up report north. it. They're way so, up north. Yeah. So, yeah. <coughs> All right. So, uh, back to Jamie. Um, so, 
Isn't the Jamie tenth, dead? He's dead okay. after being bitten for the 10th time the tenth throughout time. his whole life. But you would think, I just don't understand because you would think that after the first time, you'd be like, oh, they bite. And Nobody you know, told me they bit. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I guess <laughs> I always heard once bitten, twice shy. So, yeah. All right. His son, Cody, feels his death was the will of God and has taken over. Snake handling and all. This was 2014. I wonder if he's still alive. Haven't read up anything on him now. But so, yeah. Next one, 1991, Pastor Glenn Summerford accused his wife of cheating on him. He took his collection of rattlesnakes that were in a box, not roaming free, and forced her to put her hand in the box. Yeah. I've so, heard that. I've heard yes. that story. Yeah. So he made her stick his hand, her hand in the box. Then he began to hit the box with a metal pipe to irritate the snakes right. and get them to bite her. She tried to pull her hand out, but he uh, threatened, he grabbed her by the hair and said, your face will go in then. So yes. she put her hand back in because, you know, I kind of agree with that. And uh, luckily, she survived. She went on to press charges, and he was sentenced to 99 years. Good. It is good, because if he was successful again, it would have been cold-blooded murder. It's only funny the first time. I know. We used it, but it was already in my thing. So, <laughs> now, that's the last of the snake handlers who are religious, but I want to talk about Grace Olive Wiley. Grace Olive Wiley. Yes. Okay. Not religious. Or if she was, I don't know about it. She was an entomologist. Okay. Which is someone who studies bugs. Yes. She was born in 1883. And she, she would correct you, by the way. Why? She studies insects, not bugs. All right. Grace, I apologize if you're listening. She might still be alive. You don't know that. No, I do know. She's dead. Oh. She's dead. She's in here. She's dead. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, 1883, she got her bachelor's, that's when she was born. She got her bachelor's degree in entomology from the University of Kansas. Um, she started out actually afraid of snakes, and then somewhere like in her 20s or 30s, she uh, developed an interest in them. I heard about this recently. Yes, I think she's very cool. Yes, well, kind of. In 1923, she became one of the first female zoo curators in the entire world. Females were not you know, thought of as those kind of people. We hire men for those, but the Minnesota Public Library Natural History Museum hired her. Of course, she came with her donation of 150 species. Species. Of species, different species of reptiles. Right, that's a huge reptiles? collection. Reptiles, not just snakes. And not insects. Right, because she developed, she started out with a fear of them, but then developed a love for them, and she went from entomology, and she had written a couple great papers. Like, she was known as a very wise entomologist. She made some changes and stuff to, to bug okay. history. Then she went into snakes and, and reptiles. She had 330 total reptiles in her private collection. So when the zoo hired her, they got 330 Hold on, wait, I have a question. We've now said zoo and museum. Are we at a zoo or are we at a museum? They said they called it a zoo, but it's the Minnesota Public Library Natural History Museum. But obviously they're a zoo too. So you can probably have a zoo. Okay, so they're live these are live reptiles, yes. not like stuffed oh, specimens. No, they are very alive. Gotcha. Yeah. Unfortunately, she had some odd theories about snakes that didn't work out so well. She believed they could be tamed. Oh. Yeah. Can she, you teach them to fetch you a beer? I, she, I don't know. They didn't tell me if she trained them to do that. Tame, tame and trained are two different things. Okay. Why would you even ask that? You don't drink beer. 
Can you can you train them to make you a drink? <laughs> can I, you can, but I don't think it's a drink you want to drink. Just saying. So she would pet them with her hand, or she would use a stick with a like fur on it, and she would pet them, and she would. We talk, have one of those. Yes, she would talk softly to them because she felt that they could, from your voice, understand that you were friendly more than afraid of them. The funny thing is, uh, snakes. Don't have ears. They can't hear. They feel vibrations Vibration. when you're walking. So if you yell, if you see a snake and you yell, get out of here, snake. Can't hear you. It's not going to react. If you say, snake, please don't bite me. It can't hear you. So if it bites you, it's not because you didn't listen. It didn't listen. So it's if just you talk softly to it, it has yeah. no clue. Yeah, no. Or loudly. Or if you cry. It can read your facial expressions, though. Or if you make promises. <laughs> so I believe she might have been the original parcel tongue creator. And for those of you that don't know, that is a Harry Potter reference. So if you're into your Harry Potter, you got that reference. So that's how they spoke to snakes. I totally got it. Yes, they spoke to snakes using parcel tongue. Okay. I got multiple it. I got copies it. of all the movies. And I got all the it too. Unfortunately, well, there she refused to use any safety devices. She would handle them with her hands, even though the zoo said we we need you to stop. She also did not care about being careful and uh, would leave snake doors open. Which did not please the zoo. So no uh, kidding. after a few years, they parted ways. I'm guessing the zoo said, take your animals and get out. We just can't take this anymore. Okay. Well, it's probably like a liability, too. Yes, yes. Huge yes. liability for insurance. Oh, I'm sure it was. Because then she went to another zoo. This was the Brookfield Zoo. And oh, that's in Chicago. Zoo. All right. In Chicago, yes. And uh, after 19 venomous snakes escaped at different times... Jesus Christ. Uh, Show's over. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, including then. several that the public had to be told about, and they became hysterical. No kidding. The zoo said, you're out of here. And she moved on to uh, Long Beach, California, where at that point she realized that if she wanted to do this her own way, she'd have to do it her own way. She started a roadside zoo. Oh, where Lord. people could pay very small amounts, and they could go walk through her zoo with her with all her snakes and reptiles. I'm assuming a lot of them were out in the open, so it sounded a bit crazy to me. But, uh, yeah, she had to move a couple times due to neighbor complaints, so I'm sure they were getting out, and the neighbors were like, get this whack job and her 330 reptiles out of her neighborhood. Because Well, by then she might have had more. Yeah, she might have had less, you know. Some of them escaped and didn't come back. Some of them had babies. That's true. Um, Multiply, let there be light. Yeah. During this time, she was bitten many times, never died from it, and uh, she actually lost two of her fingers to her Komodo dragon, who apparently oh, also did not respect the petting. Well, she, I guess, tried the petting and didn't really care for the petting. So She's yeah. lucky that's all she lost. Yeah. Well, she wasn't so lucky. In July 20th, 1948, she had an interviewer come in. They were interviewing her. They wanted some pictures. They wanted it with a cobra. Well, they decided the cobra needed to hood. Well, when a cobra hoods, it only does it when it's irritated and riled up. Yes, it's feeling threatened. Yes, and feeling threatened. Well, you can't have a tame, cuddly cobra hood up. They just won't. So, you know, so her tame, cuddly ones wouldn't hood up. So she had a new cobra, though. It was an Indian cobra. So they decided to use that, get it to hood up. Well, of course, not using safety stuff. Right. She got bit. It held on for 30 seconds, envenomating her. The younger yeah. they are, the less control they have over their venom. It's not true. 
That's that's actually fiction. Really? Yep. Absolute fiction on that one. Yep. That's interesting to know because I've read it in so many places. I know, places. but you, you've probably also read about the fact that daddy longlegs are also venomous. No. And their fangs are too small to bite humans. That's not true either. I'm aware And of I've that. read it in several science books and then had to write to authors and explain that they were mistaken. Okay. So, yeah. All right. So, it, uh... It bit her 30 seconds. She died in 65 minutes. So. It had to have been agonizing, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, there wasn't any saving her because nobody would have the anti-venom even if, you know, she'd had right. time. That just, you know. I mean, it's a foreign snake. snake. They don't yeah. keep cobra venom, really. So, especially back then. So, I guess what I really want to know is what she said to that snake while petting him to hiss it off so much. All right. Yeah. Moving on. Okay. So, uh... There have been no other reports of people that were not willing participants that have actually died. So it's only the willing participants, the people who say, I want to handle a snake that dies. So my question is, why is it illegal? Should it be illegal? You know, if people are willing to die for their hysterical beliefs, shouldn't they be allowed to? Been in the herd. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yep. That's a good story. That was a good story, Lynn. All right. Thank you. All right. I have a quick one. This is called Tunnels for Toad Traffic. This is the one I sent you the pictures on a long time ago. In Davis, California, toads seem to be a very serious business to the residents. They are so important that when a dirt road that was well known to the locals for its toad population was designated to become part of a six lane highway, the wildlife activists of the town had a very major concern. What about the toads? Who was going to take care of them? Who would make sure they had access to their natural wetlands, which was going to be located on the other side of the dirt road, or and definitely on the other side of the highway? So after, after a civic controversy, the city finally agreed, and in 1995, they spent $14,000 to construct toad access tunnels, of which there are several, which funneling northbound and southbound toads to and from the wetlands underneath the highway. It's also called the Frog Tunnel by some, although dry-skinned, warty toads are the principal inhabitants in Davis, California. From everything I read about this, I don't think any research was done to make sure that this tunnel was done effectively, efficiently, or safely. If you're not looking for it, you would probably never spot Toad Hollow. It has a wood-carved sign and a handful of miniature buildings, often shaded by trees along the highway. It is just beyond a busy bridge overpass. It comes complete with a toad bar, a toad outhouse, and a toad hotel. And if you park in the wrong space, you'll get toad. Yes, good job. <laughs> it's on an odd sliver of property next to the post office, which is for humans. But when it comes to saving the lives of uncounted toads and frogs, one can't be really picky about the location. So there was actually a book written about this. The book is called The Toads of Davis, A Saga of a Small Town. Uh, the author of the book actually built the cluster of tiny buildings in Toad Hollow, and he actually painted little images of toads in the windows. <clears throat> so Toad Hollow, the Toad Hollow tunnel entrance looks like a typical drainage pipe. An abstract toad sculpture stands off to one side with a very flat lid-like head. The tunnel appears to be about a foot wide with a little crossbar at the entrance perhaps to deter pranksters from rolling bowling balls through it. Kind of what it looked like to me. 
Oh, okay. Across the highway of Carnage, the tunnel exits near the back of the post office and it dumps out into the wetlands area. It's called the Core Area Drainage Pond. But the developers of the tunnel didn't place it at the spot where the crossings actually occurred. They placed it several feet away, and we all know that amphibians are creatures of extreme habit, and they don't change their ways. They're going to cross where they're going to cross. The continuing development and the commercial buildup in the area has probably done more to eliminate the amphibian population than the speeding cars that go down the highway. And the tunnel itself has claimed its own share of victims. According to news accounts, the tunnels were actually shunned by the toads because they were dark and they couldn't see through them. So the city went back, and they had them electrically lit. Jesus. And now the accumulated heat killed the toads, because the heat had nowhere to go, so it stayed inside the tunnel. And for the survivors that made it through the tunnel, the birds actually learned the fact that the toads came out. <laughs> oh, my God. And waited for them at the end of the tunnel. So maybe the to toads use the tunnels, and <laughs> maybe the toads don't use the tunnels. Her shirt got caught on her ear. <laughs> like, the lace on her shirt. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm over Sorry. here trying to discreetly. There's nothing discreet about this table. <laughs> so maybe the toads use the tunnels and maybe they don't use the tunnels. For a wildlife preservation project, it's a very silly one, but it's still kind of cool and worth checking out. So in November 2009, the buildings of Toad Hollow were painted green and they were augmented with rooftop solar panels. So now these buildings that have absolutely no purpose have solar panels. Why? They went, they went green. Oh my God. Toads aren't green. A sign proclaims toads going green. Perhaps this decision makers in Davis, California should have asked for a little bit of help. I could have told them what to do differently. Hera Waltz, she's a landscape architect and she's a biologist at Columbia University in New York. She has actually undertaken the daunting task of creating road crossing tunnels for amphibians and reptiles based on the different animals' preferences for different tunnel attributes. That makes sense to me. It's one thing to build a tunnel under a road, but it's another to build a tunnel that animals will actually use. We couldn't obviously ask the animals questions, she says, but we could determine what they liked through their behaviors. So among their participants, tunnels greater than a one and a half feet wide, lined with soil or gravel, those are the most popular because they hold the moisture that the animals need to keep their skin from drying out, which just makes freaking sense. The researchers also found that short fences alongside the road work very well to help funnel the small travelers towards the tunnels and to keep them off the roads. Which they also jump really high. Makes sense. Toads don't jump really high. Wildlife, How high does a toad jump? Wildlife tunnels have previously been implemented in Florida, Colorado, Arizona, Arkansas, and parts of Europe. And according to Waltz, those that were unsuccessful failed to take into account the unique behavioral, behavioral and physiological traits of the species that they're trying to build the tunnels for. She says that the understanding the needs of individual species is crucial to the success of tunnels as tools for conservation. I totally agree with her. 
Good job. Where are we at? Oh my gosh. We are at 59 minutes. All right. We uh, in Arizona also have a snake problem with the same kind of thing. Yeah. So the portal area that we like to go to, the first time we went there, we went in August and it's monsoon there. And uh, when we were there, there was a guy and he was talking about doing the rattlesnake pickup. And I was like, the what? Like, are you going to go kill him? What do you do? He goes, no. He said, portal actually has one of the highest concentrations of rattlesnakes. Okay. They like the heat from the road. Yes. So at night, the road is still warm. So they like to stay on the roads at night. Oh. So as people drive down the road, and it's the only road into Portal, right. people run over it. Oh. Right, because they're... And I'm like, how many rattlesnakes can there be? But I was kind of interested, and I'm kind of geeky, and I made Brennan take me out. And we went out and rescued rattlesnakes. And seriously, we probably... And there were tons of cars, like, going up and down, doing the same thing as us. We probably removed five rattlesnakes from the road. Not with our hands, because... You're not a handler? Some of us don't want to, you know. So how do you remove them? Um, Along, like you could get a snake pole if you have one. Brennan has camera equipment, so he has tripods and unopod, monopods, not unopods, monopods. So we used a monopod, and we would just scoot them up. They're not, they're really not aggressive. Like, I'm not going to get close to it, but you're I just extend it as far as it, it out of kind danger. of like. You're just nudging them. Nudging it, nudging it. Out of danger And then it goes up. Like a lot of people in. think if you mess with a snake, it's just going to bite you. If you get close enough to it, they can't strike beyond their body distance. So if you have a very long stick and you nudge it, it wants to get away from you. It doesn't want to attack you. So if you right. nudge it, it's going to be like, get away, unless it's an angry snake that's going to coil up wow. and come at you. And then you're going to be like, okay, I tried. You're bad. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the bridges and stuff that they built for animal crossings, and I just think that they're awesome. And, and a lot of why I think they're awesome is, first of all, you're – you're saving, you're saving animals from dying. Yes. Okay. Plus, when you build them over, say, the highway, you're preventing a lot of accidents, which saves on insurance costs. Oh, my gosh. Ambulance, yeah. medical. I mean, just so fact, just much of, of hitting, hitting like a deer or something. It might not even be insurance. It. it might just be that little ding to your car that now you have to pay to fix. It's not you know, that, yeah, it's well, so many not only things. That, not only that, but there are a lot of vehicles that the way that their hoods are shaped and the height that they're at, people hit deer, especially with minivans, it's a big one. You hit a deer, it actually goes up the hood through the windshield, and now this deer is inside your yes. car. And it depends on the size, because I think it's, it's we have elk yes. in Arizona, and elk are the right height too, even regular and cars huge. can clip it. And that's what they say is if you hit an elk, there's a good chance if it's you going hit through it, your windshield. It goes through I mean, your windshield. you just think about the monetary value of saving these animals. Um, yeah. Plus the karma. I just feel like it's not about us. We share the planet. Yeah, it's not our yeah. planet. But you know me, I'm a so. big old tree hugger. That's yeah. my sister pointed out. Not you or you. But some sister pointed out that I'm a tree hugger. Why? Yeah. Because you respect our planet? Because I literally hug trees. Oh, yeah, that too. But yeah, I'll hug a tree. I'll, right. I talk to them. I lick them. I've heard you lick glaciers too. I do. I licked it. I licked the Mendenhall Glacier. So if you're ever there, it's mine. I licked it. Suck that. I do. Mendenhall Glacier. And people need to quit global warming because it's mine and you're melting my glacier. She just tell you to suck that? <laughs> the this glacier? Really... She wants me to suck the glacier? I can't. It's really pure. She I drank off of it too. She wasn't really specific on what you're supposed to do. Sure. 
She just said, suck that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a phrase. She just told you to suck that. She told you to suck that, too. I told everybody. It's mine. I just want people to quit melting my glacier. It would be nice. It yeah. would be nice. Because it's, seriously, if you ever get a chance to go to Arizona. Arizona? Alaska. Yeah, that drink. That's wow. Yeah. Only one. I'm just telling you now, that drink that we made, the sweet poison. Don't drink more than one. Look, I'm not the only one with geography problems. Yeah, Arizona and Alaska, very similar. It is hard to tell the difference. They're so close, too. I mean, they're I like next-door neighbors. I think they yes. share, I think they share like the a, climates, a boundary. The climates are very similar. I know. Yeah. So, yeah, if you ever get up to Alaska, go see the Mendenhall. It's melting, and it's sad. And if you take a tour, don't do the plane tour or the flying tour. Hike it. And if there's an ice cave available and they take you in, it's the most amazing thing to actually go under the glacier and be inside a glacier. And then when the water is running, you can drink it and it's so pure and it's beautiful. But it's don't awesome. lick it because it's Lynn's. It's mine. Just remember, I already claimed that and I am positive no one else thought to lick that glacier. Oh dear God. I have a picture. I can prove it. We've seen it. Uh, thank you to everybody who stopped by and spent part of their day with us. I hope you were as highly amused as we were. I, uh, I have recorded two albums of songs for little children, and, uh, and uh, I want to sing a song here that has made me a lot of little, little friends. And if you like these kinds of songs, this is a, what I call solid gold bubble gum here. Up, two, three, four. Boys and girls, take warning. If you go near lake, keep your eyes wide open. Look for Sneaky Snake. Now maybe you won't see him, and maybe you won't hear him, but he'll sneak up behind. Sing them all. We go right through the 
I'll do this song. This is my most requested song, and people ask me about this tune, and, and it's a true story. The storytellers and I were working in Miami Beach, Florida in 72, and met this old man, and we've been talking about him ever since. Peaceful sleep of shade, summertime. 
has been fun. It has. We hope you enjoyed your stop and enjoyed the stories that you heard today. You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know or at TMSIDNTK at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter. Um, suggestions, ideas, comments, we welcome them all. We love it when you send us story of suggestions. Um, that's where I get a lot of my tidbits from is from listener suggestions. Money, too. You can send us money, right? They can send you money? Yes, they can send money. Yeah, send money. Money, wine, hey. hot fudge sundaes. They can send it all. Rubber don't ducks. Send, no, don't send a hot fudge sundae. It would, that would not work. Right? Hot you fudge gotta, for a sundae. Yes, hot fudge would be fine, right. but the whole sundae, I just, please if don't If you'd like to enroll us in the wine of the month club or the cheese of the month club, <laughs> buy us tickets for a merry-go-round. There's no shame at this table. Yeah. Um, if you enjoyed your short stop, feel free to follow the podcast, leaving us a rating and a review. That's an awesome way to let us know how we're doing. It helps us get out there. It helps other people find us. Unless it's yes. negative. Don't we don't leave negative reviews, right? We don't listen to those. We haven't had a single negative one yet. <laughs> Excuse me. I'll be back. <laughs> you can find us everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. I mean, we are literally Anchor, Spotify, Podchaser. I love Podchaser. iHeartRadio. Overcast, Google, everything. Twitter. You're on Twitter. We, we already said that. We're um, on Twitter. We Sorry. are working on getting an Instagram going, but, you know, some of us are old and just don't Instagram yet. We're being taught. Kelly Instagrams. You should talk to Kelly. Um, Isabel Instagram. She's going to teach me. Oh. Feel free to share the podcast with anybody and whoever you want to. If they don't want to listen, tough shit. Make them listen anyway. Tie them down and make them listen. Put them in the back seat of your car and put the child safety locks on Ooh. so they can't get out. Ooh, I like that. Good idea. If you have your own podcast, you want to cross advertise, hit us up. We'd absolutely be more than welcome to cross advertise with you. If you're a pastor at a church and you don't want to write a sermon, you could use one of our podcasts. <laughs> Pass the moonshine. Pass the moonshine and call me granny. They are staring at me like I'm Did you just say... Pass, pass the, the moonshine, moonshine and call me granny. It's yes, better than pass the moonshine day. and slap your granny. That's also better than bite the bullet and shoot the fish. That was a good one, though. Did you just make that up? No, I made that up. A couple weeks ago. Bite the bullet and shoot the fish. Yeah. Bite the bullet and shoot If the you're fish. biting the bullet, what are you shooting the fish with? I'm just asking. A camera. I'm an animal lover. Okay, I'm okay. Oh, I do like fish, though. But if you shoot it, can you eat it? I feel like fish are small. If you shoot Only a fish. Only a fish not from a moving vehicle. Anyway. <laughs> Go on vacation with us. You'll learn no, why no, that no, is no, a thing. No, no, no. It's, it's illegal in some places to shoot. Uh, in Missouri, it's against the law to shoot a whale from a moving vehicle. That's going to be our final thought. <laughs> um, so anyway, the podcast obviously has been co-hosted by all of us at the table. Have a great day. Bye. Bye, guys.